best not miss. Well, I'm a bunch of little crowd laying motherfucker, motherfucker. to the party pal the mind bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed welcome to the party pal is a proud member of the osiris media group head over to osirispod.com check out the outstanding array of podcasts they have to offer that is osirispod.com i am michael shields one of your hosts i am here with mitch lucas your co-host today how you doing mitch Good. I'm so excited to be back. Yes, I love it. I, uh, I've, I've, I always miss our conversations, and we dive into some real classics and some really outstanding things, and that's what we're doing here today. We're talking about The Deer Hunter today, winner of five Academy Awards. The Deer Hunter stars Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, a whole slew of other great actors we'll talk about in an unforgettable saga of friendship and courage uh, set during the Vietnam War. You know it. It's uh, one of the most famous movies. Uh, I I'm, I'm completely feel safe saying that of all time. But now, uh, Mitch, I follow you on all the socials. I, you know, I love your humor, your artwork, your takes on everything yeah. from movies, especially to all the things you're interested in. And I was shocked to see on April 29th of this year uh, that you were talking about watching Deer Hunter for the first time and. Um, you know, I just know how versed yeah. you are in film, and you know, I'm obviously not here to uh, shame what we've missed. I actually, I actually <laughs> love when that happens. I, I like yeah. looking at a, a gap as an opportunity, and like this is an opportunity for yeah. you. But with all that said, I'm really curious um, what you thought about you know uh, experiencing this classic uh, for the first time. Well, first thing I'll say is that I'm far less versed than most people might imagine. I'm just super passionate. I'm super passionate about the movies I have seen, mm-hmm. and that's why it probably sounds like I've seen everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Deer Hunter had had been the kind of uh, film that I've probably seen a scene of here or there, but not ever actually sat down and watched it. And when I really did sit down and watch it, uh, the reason being because I've been very very passionate about john cazal as of late mm. uh and um when i did sit down and watch it i i was completely just my reaction was actually uh something i never thought would happen it, it 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 actually disturbed me um <laughs> it's disturbing man that's not that strange <laughs> i think the word yeah i think the word disturbing is sort of a negative mm. but then and i don't mean it as a cool. negative I, I i mean that it, it it affected me in a way that really strikes you um, aggressively and uh, you know I'm excited to talk about some of those turning points for me because it didn't the movie didn't start out that way uh, you yeah know. I, I mean you wouldn't be a human being if you weren't disturbed by this yeah or really just torn in a lot of different ways or you know moved to think about um, a lot I mean because this, this saga which is basically like three giant acts um, you know I, I mean let's just start where uh, it, it's, it's kind of wild how this film commences and it's it it it's it, it starts with this wedding scene this the, the i would say that's the the opening act and well i talked to will nunziata one of your other co-hosts been, or, or he, guests he, he's been on absolutely yep and i i texted him the day i watched it. i said it started simple enough started happy enough <laughs> a nice you know so <laughs> that's the, uh, sort of where it starts you know 
it's wild because the uh, when they were writing it up, and I did a lot of research on this film, which was so much fun to dig into, and now so I'll be pulling up some fun tidbits here and there. But um, you know, they they wrote it for like a twenty-one minute um, you know scene, and it turned out to be fifty-one minutes. Uh, the whole wedding into the um, into the reception. It was five days to film. They did it at uh, Saint Theodore Russian Cathedral in Cleveland, and uh, it just it was it's wild that to think where the movie goes from that but i think connecting with them in this way really you know you get to see them before uh war affects them you get to see their unique relationships uh between them and i mean i guess i went too far too because we we, you start and they take you right into the steel mill where they work so this is i mean this is a this is a it's it's a really an American film, and it's a really an Appalachian. You know, it takes place south of just south of Pittsburgh in the Steel Town, and this really feels like a slice of life. Um, you know, American film. And I think for an American or, or someone who's watching this film for the first time, another thing it makes you feel is that there's so much of America that the average American hasn't seen. I mean, I even lived in Pennsylvania, and that's a that's a a, a sort of um, you know, it it felt like a a new type of uh, person to me, a new type of like, you know, family and Russian mm-hmm. uh, uh, families and immigrants, and it 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 felt like I was entering a different country, and I probably lived an hour from where the the story takes place. Uh, I know they filmed it in a lot of different areas to sort of give you the amalgamation of this small town Pennsylvania, uh, but you know it. it it definitely um, it's eye opening even for someone who's who's from this this country. You know? Yeah, I think I mean I think about that a lot with the power of film. You know, it's when you travel the world and, and get out there. You know, you meet so many different types of people. Your eyes are open to so many different experiences. But you know, let's be honest, not everyone can do that. And movies and television they they take you places and and you uh, and you get to understand uh, uh, you know that there's so many different lives out there and get, you know, you, you get to see, I mean, the steel mill th- uh, situation, you know, in the shower and everything, it's, it's so real and what a dangerous job. And just, you know, it's, I mean, but Robert and, and the whole gang, you're right where they filmed it and how they did it. They went all in. I mean, um, the, uh, De Niro was hanging out with steel workers for a while leading up to it to kind of like get in the mindset. They, um, um, all the actors were issued uh, Pennsylvania IDs. Um, oh, you know, okay. So they were all so they were all like that. Yeah. They all, all the main characters actually carried around a picture of them uh, that the props department made of them depicted as kids, and so they wanted wow. to kind of they wanted to create the yeah. bond and make sure the bond was important and you felt the bond. And I think you did. Well, you know, Michael Cimino. It, this is really the film he. This is his Citizen Kane. You know, it, it, he he was a similar type of filmmaker to Orson Welles, who he only made, you know, his attempt at masterpieces. He didn't not he didn't take anything for granted, and he went all the way. And you know, it, if you know if you know that this is directed by one of those filmmakers that has a has a masterpiece in his collection, and and also has a huge uh like bomb in his collection you know that like every frame is something that he's fought for mm-hmm. and that he's labored over and in those opening shots of the trucks going through and the darkness and the dusk mm-hmm. and capturing that on film 
you 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 can take it for granted if you you know if you're just watching this and this oh it's from the 70s or whatever but if you really know the people that that made this thing it, it really is captivating those those opening settings and and like you're saying the the church scene for someone to to have planned for it to be a, a very short segment and to just like to know how much amazing stuff you have and to extend it and to go with what's there um that just shows the the mastery he had of storytelling and filmmaking yeah that um that bomb you're speaking of one of the most famous bombs uh of all time film wise is heaven's gate it, it yeah people look at it as a uh, you know destroying his career and um yeah, I think it was like budgeted for like a little over eleven million, and you know he was just trying to get it right, and I think, and it ended up costing like thirty five million. There's a lot to look up about that, and it really, um, it's it's as famous a, a, a bomb as you can. Another film I've never watched, as a matter of fact. I've never seen Heaven's Gate either. I, you know what? I'm, I'm really curious now. I mean, it just, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm wondering if I should give that a go. Um, you know what? This film really and this is you know my hindsight now i feel like the first couple times i was watching it i was you know very it's it's you know caught up on on some of the disturbing scenes and the emotion and just some of the the most iconic i mean these roulette scenes and i know we're gonna dig in hard on them um they're so intense and there's just such gravity to them but i just kept thinking about the importance of this film um kind of like in the way that it was depicting, um, you know, these soldiers. It's it's kind of its commentary was speaking to me a whole lot. I mean, you know, I, I, at this point, there wasn't a lot of Vietnam films out because they didn't feel like there was an appetite for it. Um, right. And also, like, this anti-war sentiment that it had. They just weren't sure about it. But I just feel like it being one of the first to really um, show this gripping depiction of the horrors of war, both when you're there and when you come home. I mean, it's one of the first takes on the subject, and it's really, um, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's kind of uh, it, it was it was bold in that way, you know. I was trying to think of other films around the time uh, or prior uh, that spoke to the PTSD with soldiers, and I couldn't think of any. Maybe wait, Mitch. Maybe, maybe airplane. Airplane, nineteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two years when later. When did airplane come out? I mean. 19, it was two years later. It was nineteen eighty. Because okay, but striker. Yeah, I couldn't think of many though. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Apocalypse Now deals with Vietnam, but you're there. It isn't yeah. like you're not seeing the aftermath. Mm-hmm. So the, you're right in the sense that this is this is a film, which also was surprising to me because in my head this was a film about people who had come back from the war. That's only one act of the film. Mm-hmm. It, it depicts the before, the during, and the after, yep. which was what was so mind blowing to me, <laughs> and why it's such a like a long film. Each of those acts are their own movie. I mean, yeah, each of those call. acts are are like a John Hughes film. You yep. know, it's the lengthwise. Yep. But the scope is mammoth. The scope yeah. is absolutely mammoth. Uh, but yeah, the um, you know, if we're really getting into it of. Well, you you sort of tell me, but in, in general, yes, this this is definitely one of the first films that starts saying, "This is what these guys were going through. This is what they're going through now," and you know they weren't treated like kings when they came back, mm-hmm. and that has to be a huge part of what makes depression, uh, you know, what what can bring about depression for for soldiers is that you know if people weren't on their side. 
um, there's a sort of anger and that that has to be like putting gasoline you know on a fire so yeah not only did we see how it affected them I mean it was affecting the people around them too and just the com- community in, in a way that was really I mean you could start seeing the effects of the war immediately I mean in this act too when they're there I mean they start not recognizing each other at times and just you just you're seeing that the the brutality of this whole thing and just it's just it's really really intense and and just felt important and um well Mike's return I think uh you know his return was the most difficult you didn't really see the other words one didn't happen and one happens off camera but the way people really embraced Mike De Niro's character and wanted to show that they cared almost made it harder for him I think uh it made it he he wasn't able to connect with people and the fact that people wanted to embrace him I think well it, that was a hard thing for him to come back to uh it, it's one of the things I noticed and uh you know every story he went to he wanted that people wanted to treat him like a king and and that was hard for him he, he had a hard time reacting to it yeah, I think it was also um, just because he, I mean, one of his friends was still back there. It just, there was a lot, he, I think he took a lot of responsibility for the gang uh, on him. And then it was just like, you know, it, he also knew that it wasn't something to really be celebrated as well. Yeah, a great, great point. Um, we got to dig in, there's a couple of controversies in this film. And, uh, you know, one is the, the, you know, Russian roulette is like the main metaphor. It's central to this film. You know, the controversy here is that many who covered the war um, at the time noted that there was not a single case of the Vietnam, Viet Cong forcing uh, POWs to play Russian roulette. It was never documented, which is interesting. You know, it's definitely something to speak on. Direct, uh, director Michael uh, Camino, he stated that he had news clippings from abroad that confirmed the use of Russian roulette. That, most people think that's kind of suspect because, uh, but so the film was based on um, part of uh, an unproduced screenplay called "The Man Who Came to Play," and it's about Las Vegas and Russian roulette. And they kind of took that and put it into this uh, story that you know the, uh, of these uh, soldiers or, or of these steel steelworkers going off to war. I, um, you know, I don't think it to me. The metaphor is so powerful, and it works so well. Um, you know, the commentary on war in general, and it, it, I just think it's so effective through the Russian roulette that I actually think it doesn't matter if that was there. It was just because it was just, it, it, it just, it's so, I, I think it's just a really crafty move to take that idea and use it yeah. as, as, as you know, something that, that kind of talks to, you know, it's a dramatic vice to consider the real terror of war. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really wild. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where you're telling a fictional story within a historical context, you know. Mm-hmm. If, there was, <clears throat> if there was a story about an American soldier marrying a, 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 you know, a woman from Vietnam, you might say, well, that happened. But you could all, you know, we're talking about something that, you're 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 sort of thinking about this and you're thinking about what would happen and i I, you would definitely be able to find um soldiers from that were prisoners of war who said we were tortured Mm -hmm. you know i don't know i didn't do i didn't do my research on Mm -hmm. what type of torture methods there were but it all seems 
it all seems plausible. You yes. know, there's nothing there's yep. there's nothing to suggest that that under no circumstance would these would the Viet Cong have acted in this way. We can say, well, now we have a different outlook on on, on these people, so we want to have a different um, perspective, and our perspective change. But it is a fictional story, and I think what's what's more important is what this. <clears throat> it it's not to me. It's more about a depiction of of these lives changing forever, and that's what the device is doing. Um, it's a it's a fictional it's a fictional account within a historical, uh, you know, real life event, and we're and we're seeing lives change. Yeah, absolutely. I found a great quote about. Uh, about the metaphor by uh, Roger Ebert. He said, it is the organizing symbol of the film. Anything you can believe about the game, about its deliberate random violence, about how it touches the sanity of men forced to play it, will apply to war as a whole. It is a brilliant symbol because in the context of the story, it makes, it makes any ideological statement about war uh, superfluous. And it's, uh, it's really... It's it's the the parallels you can draw between the the horrors of playing that game and war are just so uh, plenty, and um, even the director was saying how it was just it was a dramatic device that spoke to what he thought was one of the biggest horrors of war, and that is waiting, and that makes sense to me too. The idea of waiting for whatever's incoming or whatever's ahead of you, and that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's what's going on at that that table, and also. Uh, it's it's such a, a cleverly written film in that you know the, I, the them playing Russian roulette is also it's a nod to the when they were hunting they romantically held the notion of the perfect one shot kill as something that was important and I mean that comes into play with Russian roulette it's it's it all yeah it's, a, it's really impressively put together and that metaphor I just think it it just it's it's so powerful. Yeah, I mean it. It ends up becoming the entire film, and it ends up becoming this idea of of life permanently changing. And yeah, you know, for Christopher Walken's character, you can literally see the moment when he pulls the trigger and doesn't die. He's in that moment. He's rejoicing, you know, because for a second he's alive. But we also know that he's changed forever, and now he's gone on, gone down a path he'll he'll never be able to recover from. And the worst thing that happens to him was going going through that going, you know, crossing that line into like devaluing your own life. It, it was something he couldn't really recover from. Absolutely. That's uh kind of leads me to. I just I I'd, I'd love to discuss uh that final Russian roulette scene. I just think it's so powerful. I mean, you know, uh, for you know, on many levels. First off, we're talking about two of the best actors of all time, in my estimation. Really, at the height and just the, you know, it just the, the weight and the after effects of everything they've been to, completely in their uh, in, in in their faces, and you can just see exactly the, the, you know how they've changed that, that you were speaking to. Um, it's just an intense moment anyways, because you just, I mean, it's, they're playing Russian roulette. It's, it's all on the line there. But um, story-wise, it really had to be that way in that De Niro is this hero 
in, in the film, and he's just this this guy who kind of you know shoulders the load, as I was speaking of earlier. And so there was no way he he could not go back. There's no way he couldn't have done everything. He couldn't move forward in life without doing everything he could to see if he could bring his friend home. But conversely, there's no way that Nick's coming home. I mean, it's just he's so far gone, and you know, it's 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 tragic, and 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 it was hard to watch, but it was absolutely fitting to the these two characters that it ended this way. Yeah, you know, he 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 didn't, you know, Nick didn't know him anymore when he when when he saw him when they saw each other, he didn't. I mean, he he might have known it was him, but he didn't recognize himself, and he didn't recognize mm-hmm. uh, Mike, and he, but Mike wanted to. He had to do everything he could to see if that person was still inside there. Um, I'll tell you, you know, and you know about me. I've I've had the unfortunate situation of losing a friend. Uh, within the time period that we've talked about this film and watched mm-hmm. it. And uh, these scenes <clears throat> depicting people, you know, the Russian roulette, it, it really affected me. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it made me think a lot about how we lose our, we lose our youth and we lose our youthful memories and, and things can go awry. And, uh, and we have to remember these great things about people. And when, you know, as we're talking at the end, when, when Mike is reaching through to see if he can pull that last glimpse of who Nick was and try to pull him out of, out from, from that darkness, he literally was willing to die for it. I mean, he pulled the trigger. I was insanely shocked that he pulled the trigger and didn't just say, look, I'm not doing this. Yeah. But he did it. He, he went all the way to save his friend. And, and I think that, you know. Nick ends, ends takes his last pulls the last trigger of saying one shot you know it came all the way back to that deer that mm-hmm. that one shot was going to be I'm either going to come back to you or or I'm or I'm going to be gone forever and uh and it was it didn't happen yeah no you 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 mentioned it right there I mean this film is really something that you know a line that goes through the whole thing is just the loss of innocence and I think I think that's why it was it was impactful to spend that time with them when they were kind of uh, those those many many minutes in the first act um, when you know they didn't lose that inf- in innocence yet and they just it was all ahead of them and then just to see how it turned and really it's uh, it's it's it is such a powerful anti-war film and it, what really brings that home is that final scene with them singing "God Bless America." I mean, yeah, I, I, there's, there's a lot of ways you can interpret it. Um, but to me, there's only one way. I mean, it is, it is just a, a blatant, you know, a bold anti-war moment of kind of shame, shame on you, America. And that, that's what I got out of it. What did you think? What did you think about that? I just keep thinking about Meryl Streep in that scene for some reason. Oh, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why her eyes and her, her face <laughs> came into my head, but. Um, you know, there, there, it, it's definitely anti-war. Mm. Um, but are they also, are they also, is there, is there the slightest glimmer of hope in the sarcasm? I don't know. Are they, yeah. are they wishing, are they <laughs> wishing that, that they could pull themselves out of this, mm. out of this misery that they're in? I don't know. Um, but you know, within, 
among among that among that um you know rebellion that there did feel like hope in in in, a, in some like in some that. odd way yeah um i'm not saying hope in the sense that that, that that's like meant to be rah rah and it, it just was like these people they seem to be questioning where they were in life and hoping that they find themselves in a better place yep. um <clears throat> that was that was my strange uh, sort of <laughs> no it's a lot to interpret there that's what I, I said right away this could this could be taking a whole lot of ways i think it's really great that um it took us 25 minutes to even mention uh, maybe the greatest actress of all time who who in this uh, she, I and mean this she is, only took this uh and this goes back to why I originally wanted to start talking about uh-huh. these films but she only took the part because John Cazal was sick with cancer yep. and she wanted to be with him the whole time and this was what she considered to be a, a, a I, I don't want to say lesser role but for her this was a you know, just the the girlfriend, the side, mm-hmm. you know, side character, and maybe b- below her talents at that time, though. But what she did with it is anything but that. Um, but oh. she l- l- really took the supporting role to be by his side the entire time. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, led to uh, her first uh, Academy Award, first of many. And that's... Um, that's a wild thing to think about too, which you just mentioned. How um, John Cazal, he was, he was, he was, you know, diagnosed with terminal cancer. He didn't. The film didn't wasn't released before he passed. I mean, this was his yeah. his final film, which is wild. But um, to let the listeners in a little bit, yes, this this conversation, this episode, it does stem from um, us talking about uh, John Cazal and 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 just because. We looked at, you know, he was in five films, including this, and they're just all just, just, it's film royalty. Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon. Um, And just what, I mean, talk about a a batting, you know, a thousand. It's just remarkable. And and so this is kind of uh, the beginning. Me and Mitch decided we were going to talk about all these films. And praise him yeah. along the ways but you know it, it, it was just it was we almost were gonna just do a dedication episode to him but just there's these films are just just too much to talk about there's too much to explore and i know he was in films that are so they're so monumental that you so can't monumental. just talk about him nope. you, you it, it's it's a hard thing to do um <laughs> sure you is. know but a person that's that's only in all the films he were he was in were nominated for Academy Awards. I mean, that's that's it. You know, that's never gonna be repeated. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's <laughs> he'll always uh, have that. I was thinking, um, you know, a lot about this this making this film. Just it's it's almost exhausting to think about. I would love to see um, like a, 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 a documentary on the making of because when I was just looking at the production of it. Um, and I kept I kept reading a lot about the um, you know the the first scene where they were where they were captured and they were in the yeah. uh, um, shooting in the River Kwai literally in it and it was wild to um, learn about it. I mean, the thing with the River Kwai is there's a it looks you know all calm on the top, but underneath it is cold. The water moves um, incredibly swift underneath. There's snakes in there. There was oh rats in there. It just and this was all real. They 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 built that structure there and they shot right there, um, 
it was just it just it just sounds so incredibly um, intense to be shooting in these in these environments. And we have to mention the helicopter scene, which is real, uh, mm-hmm. w- with them hanging off of the helicopter. And they, uh, what I had read was that the the ropes actually broke, and they had no choice but to, uh, to let let go. And um, the story goes, I can't remember the actor's name who played Stevie. He's like an amazing actor. He's been in so many. John films. Savage. Yes, so John Savage says... He's really great. He calls him by Bob. He says, Bob! And Darren goes, don't call me by my name! He didn't want to lose it, you know. Totally, totally. Um, But they had to jump for real. And I don't know if that's the actual take of the movie, but I know that 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 literally is... Absolutely. That would be a green screen or or, uh, Mm -hmm. something else nowadays. That was just for real. Yeah, they said even... This is why I want the doc of it. They said that even when they were there... Um, they they felt a real threat of kidnap of all of them. They had they beefed up their security because wow. people thought yeah. they could make money of it. Um, there was all kinds of stuff that was that was just wild to me. I mean, when they got to Thailand, the um, uh, the you know uh, director Michael he asked them if they if the soldiers if they wouldn't shower and wear a uniform the whole time, and they said yes. And so wow. they were just just reeking and just like, yeah. just terribly gross. And obviously it. Um, you know, something like that would pay off amazingly. But, you know, I was also thinking um, about just shooting those scenes in, in, in the water. It's got to be difficult. Do you have any experience? Have you done any shooting near water? Uh, well, we attempted to for my short film, Coin Catcher, and it was mm-hmm. such a – it was so much more difficult than we ever pondered that we, <laughs> yeah. did, not, we did not do it. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it. I mean, there's – I mean, anyone who's seen the behind the scenes of Jaws knows that it's one of the most difficult yes. things to do. Life Aquatic, I hear, was an absolute. The, you know, the documentaries show that that's yep. an absolute was a nightmare. And uh, absolutely, yeah, the currents are changing, and in mm. the cameras on the, the camera is on one boat. You set up the shot. By the time everyone's ready, the boat is turned in a completely different direction. And totally. you know, and there's the lighting with the with the re- <coughs> reflection off the water, and they just the, yeah, just, yeah, it's really really. Well, there was one other controversy in this film. It was um, the depiction of uh, Viet Cong and, um, you know, the people of Thailand. And, and I get this a little bit. I mean, it, it was a one-sided film um, where they didn't yeah. show – they didn't – they weren't they – were, they, were, they were viewed as savages. They, they looked that, – that is the depiction they got. And that criticism, I, I definitely understand a little bit. I don't – you know, I think the film was just trying to tell one story and, and, and you know, can't tell the whole thing. But I, I do get that idea but um, yeah. all, all in all what do you think you're going to go back and uh take this in again because i will say this i um I, I alluded to it a little bit earlier you know and once i got over the shock of things and just the you know was able to deal with some more of the trauma and just my feelings towards it i'm able to, to recognize and take in a lot of things and 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 just i guess yeah now that i, I can get over the emotion of those scenes because i know what's going to happen i'm I'm watching it for how they did it, and just there's a lot to chew on here, and uh, my appreciation has grown a lot, and I'm, I'm I'm thinking it will with you. So I'm curious if you're excited to go back in. Well, I think that it's such a mammoth undertaking of watching it. I mean, the first yeah, no the doubt. first experience is really a gesture, <laughs> you know, it's a a quick uh, sketch of the whole film. So I feel like I'm really <clears throat> discussing my 
immediate emotions and my large, you know, brushstroke, uh, you know, ideas and, and quick, quick ideas. There's, there's a lot to, to delve into. I think it'll probably yep. take me a couple of years before I get where I'm just, I don't know, maybe not two years, but like, I, I probably need some time away from it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I'll be honest. It, if it's the one thing I want people to remember is I've never been as affected. I don't believe in my entire life by by something this, that the first Russian roulette scene. I, I just it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. I was in tears. I was just thinking yeah. about my, you know, my your, relatives and people loss. who. Yeah. yeah. Well, just thinking about you know the people in my life who mm. who fought in Vietnam. Uh, you know. Yep. My father didn't have to to uh, you know fight in the jungle, but he was a part of it, and he was stationed. And, and you know, my my father's best friend was was did the kind of you know was in the jungle, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I know we all, all all most of us in our 30s or 40s might have a relative or someone who fought in that war, and and I know people that are my you know contemporaries and jobs that have, were in Desert Storm, and and it's just. Uh, I, it's uh, hard hard to watch some of those scenes and not feel uh, the 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 sacrifice and the pain that people go through. No doubt, it's uh, one thing that this film brought home um, with scenes abroad uh, that were just totally traumatic. And it, but it just it just it showed war is hell. I mean that is that is the takeaway here in a major. I'm glad you mentioned that though because that that is something that. The film really does in a major way. It puts it puts you there and just shows you. And you do you think about people just like you who are who are for one reason or another they they were drawn or forced or had to or decided to go over there and and this is what they had to deal with and it's devastating and it will break your humanity and really change you and that's terrifying. Yeah, it's uh you know it's like you said it's a it's a film that would. <clears throat> have to have a different point of view today or it would have to have a more um open point of view it just it would have to see a larger uh you know a, a larger sort of balance but yeah. for for what it is and what emotions it brought out in me I, I was certainly moved by it what a massive serving of americana it gave us from steel mills to you know a russian orthodox wedding to hunting to war, to bar scenes. It was just Americana through and through. It really spoke to America at that time. It's a, it's a really great snapshot. It's a bold anti-war film saying some things uh, about war and its effects, you know, well before uh, some other, you know, other films were doing the same thing. It's really, it's, it's, it's a wild, impressive uh, um piece of uh, uh, art so the, any the locations uh, it, and yeah on. sorry yep. my my sort of final thoughts are just that please you know with 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 what they with what they they had access to and the people they had access to and the actors and the shooting on film and the time period you couldn't mm-hmm. remake this film <laughs> for a hundred and fifty million dollars you couldn't remake this film for a billion dollars nope. it yep. it exists in its own way You'd never be able to recreate the 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 locations, the hairstyles, the the youth, the emotion, the actors. None of this will ever. No, no technology we have will ever amalgamate what was accomplished in this film. So it it will always be, 
It will always be a, a singular, uh, uh, you know, accomplishment in filmmaking. No doubt about that. So, you uh, you can tell there's more uh, John Cazal uh, films coming. I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of the conversation. Um, I don't know if you've watched that in a while. Um, I've seen Mitch. it once, but it's been a it's been ten years, so I'm gonna have to rewatch uh, that one when I we do our next. Wait one. to talk about that. Um, Dog the Afternoon is another one that just I'm, I'm such a fan. Well, of. But yeah. yeah. So, so we're gonna be talking a whole bunch of more uh, John Cazal, and it was really it was great to dig back in this film. I hope some of you listeners out there got to re-experience it or maybe even experience it for the first time. And Mitch. It was really uh, great talking to you about uh, uh, your first viewing experience of The Deer Hunter. Thank you for letting me, uh, you know, uh, pick this uh, crazy monumental thing to do in, <laughs> such, in, you know, 30 minutes or so. But, yeah, thank you for the, for the chance to talk about it and we've to talk uh, about John Cazal. We've only begun our exploration and celebration of John Cazal. So thanks again, Mitch. And thank you, everybody out there, for once again. Join the party. God bless America, the land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the ocean. Wide with foam, God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.